0: Peyton and Bentley, to come on up. We're going to ask these quick kids, these awesome kids, some questions about Christmas. We're doing a series of expectations of a child, and kids have expectations at Christmas, don't they? So we're going to ask them some questions. They have never heard these questions. You need some help? All right. There we go. So we're going to ask them some questions they've never heard because we want their authentic responses because, as we know, kids say great, awesome things sometimes. So let's start with Peyton, all right? What are you most excited for this Christmas? Um, To get presents. Yeah, (laughs) to get presents, that's right. All right. Bentley, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Home Alone. Home Alone. That was my son's this morning in first service, too. Now, is it the Home Alone that just came out on Disney Plus? Is that what you're talking about? No. No, the original? Wow. All right. Good. Okay. Peyton, how many years ago was Jesus born? 2000. Dude. Hey, that's pretty good. Pretty close. In the first service, my daughter was up here, and she said, 24. (laughs) Bentley, what is your favorite Christmas decoration? My two poppy ones. Your two poppy ones? Is that a poppet? Is that what you're talking about? What's a poppy one? The troll. Tell me about it, what is it? Uh, The troll poppy. The troll poppy? Oh, poppy from Trolls the movie. Got it, all right, cool. (laughs) All right, this one's for both of you, and it's the last question. Okay, so Peyton, what does joy mean to you? The word joy, what does it mean? Being happy. Being happy. Okay. What about you, Bentley? What do you think it means? Is it getting off the stage? No. Okay. <laughs> What do you think the word joy means? Staying with Peyton. Oh, yeah? That's a good one. All right, thank you guys. Let's give them a hand. You can go back to your parents. Now, I'm not sure if you caught what he said, but he said staying with Peyton. So he gets to stay with his brother. That's what joy is. And that's good parenting right there. So good job on that. As I said, we've been doing a series called Expectations of a child, and there's nothing quite like the authenticity of a child, right? Just to hear those answers and to hear presence is what he wants, right? That's what he's most excited about. They tell you what's on their mind usually without hesitation, and I think that's why Jesus said this in Matthew 19, 14. He said, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Now, I think that Jesus loved the fact that kids are just going to be honest. They're going to be straightforward. They don't know the social cues or social miscues that we learn as adults, so they just say what's on their mind without hesitation. They authentically deliver answers and feelings that first come to their minds. And during the Christmas season, there is such authentic joy in kids, right? And we saw that in some of the questions we asked them, like they, they lit up, you know, if I want to answer that. Whether it's seeing the lights downtown, making their Christmas lists, decorating the house, singing Christmas songs, or in the case of my kids this past week, going to the Christmas parade. So we got a picture of that. How many of you were at the Marshall Christmas Parade? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. But I, in the midst of a snow blizzard, right? It was pretty wet and heavy snow there. My kids wanted, they demanded to stay and see Santa. Now, we live pretty much right uh, at the corner where the shell station is, which is where the parade ends. So we had to wait the longest for Santa to get there. And so I was politely hinting to my kids, hey, are you sure we need to stay? Are you sure? Because it's just Santa, right? And they were like, no, we have to stay. Now, Evie made it the whole time. Everett, on the other hand, his feet got too cold, he got too wet. So he started to walk home with Angela and Avery But what was cool about that is since we live around the corner from there, all of the floats turned the corner, and Santa ended up driving right by Everett and Avery and Angela on their way home. So they all got to see Santa, and there was just wonder in their eyes that night, especially because we missed the parade last year, right? We didn't have it, and this year, every time those big uh, hot air balloons would go by, we were like, oh, thank you, you know, but at the same time, like, this is amazing, you know, it was so cool. Joan Windmill Brown, sums it up well by saying this, Christmas, the very word brings joy to our hearts. No matter how we may dread the rush, the long Christmas lists for gifts and cards to be bought and given, when Christmas Day comes, there is still the same warm feeling we had as children, the same warmth that enfolds our hearts and our homes. Now, many of you resonate with that quote. However, Like many of you as well, I often feel less like the child waiting for Santa and more like the adult stuck in the snowstorm who just wants to get home, right? I may or may not have asked my kids too many times, are you sure you want to stay? I I think we should go home. And Evie kind of gave me that look of like, dad, I get what you're doing. We're not doing this, all right? We're staying here. But I, I get caught, like Elsie was talking about earlier, in the stress and feeling overwhelmed With everything that needs to be done, and I I lose sight of the sheer joy that's surrounding us this time of year. But don't we all get lost in this blizzard of life sometimes? I mean, I find myself resonating more and more, and I hate this. We watch a lot of Hallmark Christmas movies, and I find myself resonating with that business person who's lost the spirit of Christmas and needs to go back home to their hometown, to their home uh, that they grew up in, and find the joy of Christmas again. I sit there and I watch that, and it used to be like, how could you ever feel that way? And now I'm like, ooh, I need to go back home, right? There's a little bit of that that happens. I mean, oh, to be a child at Christmas again, just to have that childlike joy, that desire to get lost in the joy of the season. But ultimately, as uh, Peyton pointed out, they find the most joy in gifts, right? That's what they're so excited for, whether that's receiving gifts or giving them. Now, let's be honest, they're going to find probably a little bit more joy in receiving the gifts. But I do know of a lot of kids that love to give gifts. They love to give that gift that they made mom and dad at school, or that gift that they bought at the school store. When I was growing up at Family Altar Christian School, they had a school store in the basement of the chapel where we were at. And we would walk through, and it was all of these super cheap, awful gifts. But in my mind, I was like, these are the best things ever because I'm buying them for my siblings, for my parents. And of course, being a kid, and a lot of kids feel this way, when you buy that gift with your own money, actually, my parents gave me money to buy the gift. But when you buy that gift and on Christmas morning, you give it to that person, that parent, that sibling, you sit there with just this anticipation, looking in their eyes of like, they're going to love this. You ever see that in those kids where they just stare at you like, this is the best thing ever? you're going to love it. And then they open it and they wait for you to be like, oh yeah, yeah. And you're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Yeah, this is good. Merry Christmas. You know, and they're like, yes, this is the best thing ever. And I'm pretty sure 100% of those gifts are now in the trash somewhere that I gave all my siblings and parents back then. But they have this expectation, this anticipation of this ultimate joy. And I remember growing up that I did like giving gifts. I loved receiving gifts more. But there was one Christmas when my brother had bought my dad something. And I found out what it was. My brother Ryan, my older brother. And so leading up to Christmas, he kept saying, John, do not tell dad. Do not tell dad. And me being the younger brother, I was like, I got this. Don't worry about it. I'm fine. So days after days leading up, don't tell dad, don't tell dad. Morning of Christmas rolls around. Ryan's got the gift in his hand, ready to give to my dad. And he's looking at me like, you know what's going to happen if you say anything. Do not tell dad. Turns away from me. My dad's over here and he goes, dad, I bought you some peanuts. (laughs) And this look of dread came across his face of like, I just told dad what I bought him. Now, I have to explain. My dad used to get a jar of peanuts every year for Christmas. That was like his gift that the kids got him. And Ryan had it that year. So he was pumped to give it to him. And Ryan's face was just like, what have I done? And he looked over at me and I was like, <laughs> but my dad received that gift with the same level or if not more joy than he did, uh, he would have before knowing what it was. But there's joy in those memories, right? There's, there's joy in giving and receiving gifts at Christmas. And this past uh, couple weeks ago, I was listening to a devotional and it struck a chord with me. It was about a woman named Mary, not the mother of Jesus Mary, but a different Mary, who comes to Jesus to wash his feet. It's a very short and simple story, but it spoke to me in a way that I hadn't before, because ultimately this story is about a gift given and a gift received. So this morning, instead of looking at the Christmas story, we're going to journey over to the Gospel of Mark in chapter 14, starting in verse 3. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles or your Bible app, you can, otherwise it'll be on the screen. Starts in verse 3. It says, while he, Jesus, was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. Let's stop there real quick. Did you catch where Jesus was? He's in the home of Simon the leper, who is a person looked down upon that people don't want to be around. And yet Jesus being Jesus is not only in the midst of him, he's in his home. So a woman comes with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. "'Made of pure nard.'" You all know what nard is, right? No? Okay, I'll explain that here in a little bit. "'She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. "'Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, "'Why this waste of perfume? "'It could have been sold for more than a year's wages "'and the money given to the poor.'" And they rebuked her harshly. "'Leave her alone,' said Jesus." Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done... Will also be told in memory of her. What a statement, right? Wherever the gospel is preached, this story is going to be told. So, what does this story have to do with Christmas? What can we learn from it? Well, I want to break down the gift that she gave into a couple points here. First of all, we need to understand that the gift she gave was a gift of surrender. Because this perfume, she didn't just give Jesus the perfume. It would have been easy for her to gift wrap it in this nice gift wrap and say, here, Jesus, I got you something. It's worth a lot of money. Uh, I just want you to know I appreciate you. No, she took it a step further. The Gospel of John, the way he puts it is, she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. So not only did she pour this perfume, she bowed at his feet and bowed as low as she possibly could in the midst of Jesus. See, this was an act of surrender. She was freely admitting that she knew she was a sinner. Everyone in that room had pointed that out already. They didn't need to point that out. She knew. But she also knew Jesus was who he claimed to be. So she found worth in giving up her most expensive item, in surrendering this to him. You know, this reminds me of something in the Christmas story, of some people who realized that the king was coming and that they needed to do something about it. These wise men who decided something is is happening, and we need to surrender our time and our energy and spend some time traveling to find this baby. And when they did, they gave him... Perfume and gifts, they bowed at his feet. It was a gift of surrender. Secondly, it was a costly, sacrificial gift. The others in the room pointed this out. They said this gift could have been used to feed the poor. Now, the Gospel of John also states that Judas Iscariot was one of the ones that said this, and he most likely was saying it out of a desire for the money himself says he loved silver. So rather than saying, I wanted that, I wanted that, he was saying, oh, uh, you could have used that to feed the poor. Why did you do that? And even Jesus kind of hints at that of like, hey, you could feed the poor. You're not always going to have me. You're making an excuse. The perfume mentioned in Mark 14, 3 through 9 is actually derived from a short plant. I'm going to murder this. Nardostachys jatamansi. It grows in the hills of northern India. So it's called nard or spike nard. It was worth more than 300 denarii. Since the denarius was the wage of a day's labor, the value of Mary's perfume was a year's wages. Assuming the median income in the United States, this worshiping woman just poured $12,000 worth of perfume on the feet of Jesus. Let that sink. When's the last time you took $12,000 and just laid it at somebody's feet? It dawned on me in first service, that's how much I paid for my used truck five, six years ago. There's a lot of value in $12,000. And yet she just broke it open on his feet. It was a costly, sacrificial gift that she couldn't afford to give up, and yet she did it anyways. Because she understood the need for sacrifice. She, She needed to show this kind of love in a way that wasn't going to be accepted, so she knew that Jesus was aware that this was a sacrifice. She needed to give with a joyful heart. And that's what point three is, is that it was a gift given with joy. In the Gospel of Luke, the story says that she not only wiped Jesus' feet with her hair and perfume, but also with her tears. So she was so overwhelmed with the gift that Jesus had given her. She was so overwhelmed with joy that it overflowed and caused her to cry. Mary understood the joy of being set free by the Savior in a way the others in that room didn't. As I stated earlier, everyone in the room was quick to point out her faults, to tell her, "We know your past. We know you're a sinner." But Jesus saw past all of that. He saw a woman in need of a savior. See, I think if Mary had this recorded, she would have known the words of the angels that they said to the shepherds, where it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But this is what the angel said. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great, what? Joy. For all the people, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Mary understood that joy. Mary was known to the world as a sinner, but to Jesus, she was known as Mary. A woman set free. She understood grace. I want to take a break for a moment from this story about Mary. I want us to focus on the word joy. In the passage we just read out of Luke 2, the original word used for joy is chahiro. It means to rejoice and be glad. Breaking it down a little further, it literally means to experience God's grace or favor and be conscious or glad for his grace. So when you say joy, you're saying, I'm rejoicing because I'm aware of God's grace. Now let's break it down even further because the word chahiro comes from another word, zaris and zairo, which means grace and to rejoice. So they all share the same root and therefore the same core fundamental meaning. Let that sink in for a minute. You need to understand what we're talking about here. When you say joy, you are saying grace and rejoicing. You're saying, I'm aware of God's grace, I understand God's grace, and I'm responding to it by rejoicing, by doing what Mary did. She understood she was aware of God's grace, and she rejoiced by overflowing this gift, these tears, and bowing at his feet. So when we say we need joy at Christmas, we're saying we need the realization of what him coming as a baby means for all of us. It means that we have the chance for grace. So when we say joy to the world, we're saying God's grace is given freely as a gift to the world. Let us rejoice in that. So Mary literally was coming before Jesus with chahiro joy, with the knowledge that she had been given grace and needed to rejoice. This is the way she felt that she could be authentic in her rejoicing. It was the way that she knew she needed to give to Jesus. So now that we understand what the word joy means, let's go back to the story. I want to see how Jesus responded to her authentic, chahiro joy. See, Jesus received that gift with joy. Jesus says this in response to the naysayers in the room. She has done a beautiful thing to me. There's joy in that statement. She's done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. Whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She's done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Again, that statement. Can you imagine being the woman in that room? being Mary, after pouring herself out, that Jesus says, you will be known right alongside the gospel story. See, Jesus receives this gift with joy. He, he knows that Mary gets it, that Mary understands she has been given grace, that she's given out of true surrender, sacrifice, and chahiro joy. But there's one more thing in this story that we need to recognize, See, this gift that Mary gives to Jesus is designated for Jesus, but it impacts the entire room. It impacts more than just Jesus, because there's an overflow of that gift. The Gospel of John states that the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Think about that for a second. This lavish gift of surrender, sacrifice, and joy filled the entire room so it was unmistakable that she had given something of value that day. Whether or not people felt good about it doesn't matter. The fact is they recognized that she gave unto Jesus what she felt she needed to give. There was not a person in that room that was unaware of what had been given because of this strong perfume, this scent, this Fragrance of grace had been given. So what does all of this mean for us? Well, I believe that we have the same opportunity to give joy this season. Maybe you have received the joy of Jesus. Now we have an opportunity to give joy this Christmas season. How? Well, number one, by being conscious of God's grace in the gift of his son, Jesus. Jesus. Being aware of it, that you have received a gift, that God wants you to know that gift, so much so that he sent his son Jesus as a baby to offer you grace. Are you aware of it? And if so, are you responding with it? The second point is rejoice in the knowledge of his grace. That word hahiro means grace and rejoicing, being aware of grace and then rejoicing in that grace. I think that a lot of the times, and my dad pointed this out to me after first service, we equate joy and happiness together. And he said, Happiness is external, joy is internal. Christ is in us. I mentioned the Michigan game last night in first service. A lot of people think that they had joy at the result of that. Whether or not you like Michigan, I'm sorry, but you do. So she's happy. She's got a Michigan shirt on. Anyways, That's a happiness factor. That's not true joy. That's looking at something and being aware of it. But I think a lot of us miss out on joy because we're busy being happy about everything else that's happening. Maybe you think I find joy in the fact that the Michigan Wolverines won a game. Have you found joy in the fact that you've been given the gift of grace? Honestly, ask yourself that. Am I more happy with the fact that a football game was won Or am I so filled with joy to overflowing that I've been given the gift of grace and the opportunity for eternal life? The last thing is to share that joy with your one and those around you. So we've been talking about who's your one, who's that one person that you can be uh, reaching out to and, and being Jesus to. How can you share that joy with your one this season? How can you show them grace? How can you show them rejoicing? How can you do that to those around you at the checkout lane, that person who's been there for hours on their feet and is just grumpy? How can you show them grace and joy? Meredith Wilson sums it up well when she wrote these words. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Soon the bells will start. The thing that will make them ring is the carol that you sing right within your heart. What carol are you singing that's impacting those around you? Is it a carol of rejoicing, of joy, of grace? Are people hearing that from your heart? Is it resonating with the people around you? Is it causing Christmas to become better and greater for the people around you? See, there's a lot of noise this time of the year. But the thing that needs to ring true from our hearts is that hope, joy, peace, and love, we truly have that because of Jesus We also need to understand that Jesus gave us a gift. It was very similar to the gift that was given by Mary. And we have the opportunity to receive that gift. Think about this for a moment. Jesus' gift was a gift of surrender. God surrendered his son. Jesus surrendered his life. He was willing to come, God incarnate to this earth as a human. Secondly, it was a costly sacrifice. Jesus knew, if I go there, I'm going to have to give it all. He was broken open for us to cleanse us. But he found joy in giving that gift. As he hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He knew the result of my death is going to be eternal life and salvation and grace to everyone that believes. So he gave his life joyfully. And we can receive that gift with joy. We can understand what Mary understood and know that God has given me a gift of grace and I need to rejoice in that. And we can allow that gift to overflow in us and impact the world around us. I think that if Christians fully understood what this gift of grace means and what the word joy means, the world would be a much different place. We settle a lot. We settle for being happy. We settle for following a team, for following a a political person, for following something else. When Jesus is there all along and he's history-changing, Life-changing, grace-giving. He's the king of all kings, the Lord of lords. Martin Luther reminds us of this. He says, good news from heaven the angels bring. Glad tidings to the earth they sing. To us this day a child is given to crown us with the joy of heaven. God has crowned us with grace and joy. I encourage you this season that every time you read the the scripture of the Christmas story and you see these words, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people that it resonates. It's not just saying happiness, it's saying that will cause an opportunity for grace and rejoicing. Every time you hear the song joy to the world or sing that song or see the word joy plastered on a banner, even in a secular place where it says joy to the world, They don't understand it, but guess what? You do, and you should be rejoicing in that. Every time you see the word joy, give praise to God. Say, thank you for grace. Thank you for a way out. Thank you that I can rejoice in you. Understand that in the same breath you're saying grace and rejoicing are given to the world, and they're given to you as well. So have you received that gift of joy? The gift of Jesus. Ephesians 2 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Grace is a gift given to us, and we should be rejoicing in it. I'm going to close this morning with one final verse. Out of Philippians 4, and it's a, it's a good bridge from this week to next week, so we're going to be looking at peace next week. Philippians 4, 4-7 says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I believe the author here knows how humans react, how we are. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, and we come to church on Sundays, and we're like, amen, I'm going to rejoice but I don't want anyone to see it. Or we just settle for, yeah, I've, I've got joy. I don't need anybody to know about it, though, right? And so he says it again. No, you didn't hear me the first time. I will say it again. Rejoice. So he's saying be exuberant. Be a person who surrenders, who gives sacrificially, who bows at the feet of Jesus and gives out of exuberance of joyful giving. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. It's December 5th. There's 20 days until Christmas. Did some of you just swallow a little bit? Like, oh no. Don't be anxious about it. Just give it to God. It says, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Because if we're rejoicing in the grace and knowledge of God, and we have the joy of God on our side, we know that he fights for us, that he's on our side, that he will see us through. And the result of that is in the next verse. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We've been talking about this overflow of the gift of joy. What is the overflow of joy? It's peace. When we know the joy, we truly understand what joy is, grace given to us, an opportunity of grace, and rejoicing in that, we should have peace in the knowledge that we've been given that and rest in that peace. We talked about the silence of Christmas, that silent night. Have you experienced the peace that you can find from the joy that you can find. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for joy, for giving us grace and opportunity to receive joy. God, we know that it's a gift, and we ask that we wouldn't squander that gift. God, I'm guilty of that. I've settled for happiness, for things Help me to have an exuberant joy and know that you have given us grace. Help me to be like Mary, to come in without hesitation and bow at your feet, to surrender to you, to sacrifice what I have to you and to give with joy. And let the joy that you've given me overflow to those around me. Help us this Christmas to truly understand that, to to let it overflow in us and to rejoice in the Lord always. We love you, Lord. Let it be evident. Amen.